You are now tuned in to the High History Podcast with your host, the great Stone. today's episode, we are going to talk about somebody very influential, very influential to history, very influential to culture, very influential to some of the societal things that take place today, very influential all around. Now, whether you agree with his actions or not, that's for you to decide. But it is not my job to present a case that is negative or that is positive, it is my job to present the history of the person and who they were. And that's what I'm finna do. And so now, in Spanish. Lo represento al cartel de Sinaloa, okay? Nada, nada, nada. I don't. No necesita un bullshit. No necesita. Okay? Gracias. Entonces... Joaquín Archivaldo Guzmán Loera was born in La Tuna, Badiraguato, Sinaloa, Mexico. Now, nobody knows his birthday. Some say he was born on Christmas Day in 1954. Others say he was born on April 4th, 1957. We don't never know. Joaquín, as a teenager, was nicknamed El Chapo or they called him in English Shorty because he was five foot six. When he was growing up, he lived with his mother and his father, um, and his father tended to be abusive. He was also working in the drug trade. However, you have to understand at the time, the drug trade looked a little different during that time. In Mexico, they were growing marijuana um, and the cocaine was being smuggled through Mexico, but nothing really greater. Most of the cartels and most of the organizations started with marijuana. You know, we also shouldn't really say marijuana. We should say cannabis because marijuana ain't even a Spanish word. Marijuana is a word that was invented by white Hollywood and the government 
to demonize cannabis, to make it sound like it belonged to the Mexican people. And yes, Mexican people were growing cannabis. Yes, they were. And they were selling it as a cash crop. There was nothing wrong with it to them. They knew what it was doing. It wasn't anything bad. But look at prejudice, huh? Look at them. Look, y'all see me recording this podcast and this helicopter flying over me. They know I'm doing I'm doing this podcast. They know. They know they're trying to make sure I ain't trying to say nothing. That's all right. Fuck them. But anyway, he sees all this and he experiences all this. And by the time he's a teenager, he gets kicked out of his house. He says, I got to make my own way. He didn't have too much schooling. He didn't have too much money. He said, what am I going to do? So he said, you know what? I'm just do what my daddy did. And so he grew cannabis for for cash. That was his that was his crop. Now he's starting to grow this cannabis and, you know, he's getting he's getting a little notoriety at this point. And by the late 70s, um, he he proved his worth. He proved his worth in the late 70s. He caught the attention of Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo. Now, Gallardo was the leader of the Guadalajara cartel, him and also Rafael Caro Quintero. Now, where the Guadalajara cartel messed up, they were doing so well. They were able to unify Cartel de Tijuana, Cartel de Sinaloa, Cartel de Jalisco, Cartel de Golfo. All of the cartels at one point were united under the Cartel de Guadalajara, and they all answered to Miguel Angel Feliz Gallardo. But Miguel messed up when he had an American DEA agent killed, Enrique Cabanera. When this agent was killed, America got involved. And when America gets involved in certain things, this adds pressure to other governments because America goes so hard for anybody associated with America that it will show justice and no mercy. They not having nothing. So America went down there, they said, Look, all this little bribes and shit, you doing cut the shits. We catching niggas. That's what we doing, we catching niggas. They catch Feliz Gallardo. And at this point, the cartels were still working together but all of them split up. All of them split up. So everybody started fighting. Everybody started fighting each other because they wanted control of this territory. They didn't agree with the family and blah, 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 blah. Chapo was in El Cartel de Sinaloa and he was running with Hector Luis Palma Salazar. Now in Sinaloa, they were kind of considered like country. You know, they were farmers and sometimes people consider them consider them dirty or or they dress country. You know, imagine like people down south, you know, how sometimes they still wear like South Pole and Coogee and shit like that. Imagine that that's the equivalent. They're running together. Chapo oversaw the movement of drugs from Sinaloa to the western end of Mexico where the narcotics flowed into the, like California, you know, San Diego, 
um, Los Angeles, you know, all of those different cities. San Isidro. There we go. Now, nobody's kind of recognizing what, what Chapo's doing, but Chapo is, is becoming innovative with how he's smuggling and he's becoming, you know, very quiet and savvy and he kept a low profile. But then in 1985, his boss, Hector Luis Palma Salazar, gets arrested. And while he's arrested, Chapo has to do what he has to do. Now, Chapo understood the drugs had to flow from Colombia to the United States. And Mexico was the middle. Mexico was responsible for all of that coming through. Now, by the time Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo fell, so did Colombia. Pablo Escobar, he fell. Cartel de Cali. They fell. So now it was just Mexico and a little bit of South America. So Chapo says, okay, how am I going to do this? And he rises to power and he forms his gangs. He had a group of very tough gangs. Along with these gangs, he had very innovative ways of smuggling cocaine. Sometimes... He would take the cocaine and he would put them into canisters. And these canisters said chili peppers. So when they're going through the stuff, everybody looking at them, oh, chili peppers. But if you're on the inside, you know that they're not really chili peppers. And then in addition to cocaine, he adds heroin. He still keeps cannabis. And then methamphetamines. Everybody wondering where the meth coming from, like this, this quote unquote super meth. It's coming from Sinaloa. That's where it's coming from. Now, because over the years, multiple people have gotten murdered, right? Cartel de Sinaloa, all the other cartels, they've been warring with each other. They're killing each other. People are getting shot in the street on accident. People are killing the law enforcement agencies. It's just a bunch of killing. And it's a bunch of recklessness going on. But they're successful at moving the product. So everybody's like, how the hell is he doing this? Now, El Chapo had a nickname besides El Chapo. This nickname was El Rapido. Why did they give him this nickname? Because anytime he moved drugs across the border, it was the quickest thing that anybody has ever seen. By the time anybody ever tried to raid a, a warehouse or anything, it was gone. Nobody could figure it out. Nobody could figure out why and how he was doing this. One day, he was going down to Honduras, you know, doing doing his little drug business. They caught him and they threw him in jail. Now he's sitting in jail and he's wondering, okay, how am I going to get out? Sight. He knows how he's going to get out. He pays off the prison guards and he pays off the warden to hop into a laundry basket 
in a laundry basket, get wheeled out to prison. What? Paid everybody off. He was that rich. What is the jail going to say? No. They need the money so they can do renovations and they keep costs, whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? They needed the money. He knew that. So he paid his way out. Literally paid his way out. This incident led to the investigation of 71 prison employees. 71. The warden was even investigated. So everybody's like, what the hell? This guy is insane. He escaped from jail. And this was in 2001. So this is the first escape. This is only the first. So he's out. He's running Cartel de Sinaloa. And by this time, Cartel de Sinaloa is the most powerful cartel in Mexico. And the largest drug trafficking organization in the world. Rich as hell. In 2009, Sinaloa itself was pulling in $3 billion annually. And Chapo's net worth was $1 billion. What the hell? He was on the Forbes list. He was this huge. Everybody had something to say about him. Five foot six. Call him Chapo, shorty. Little nigga. He was country. Had something to say about him. Looked down on him. But he, he, he said, fuck all that. He rose to the occasion. He said, don't count me out. And he led the largest drug trafficking organization in the fucking world. What? You, you ain't got to like him. You ain't got to respect what he did. But you got to understand, this man was influential in many ways. Look at what he did. How do you bribe 71 prison guards by yourself? Joaquin El Chapo Guzman Loera. That is who he was. And so now he's out and the U.S. is pissed. They was like, what the fuck? How could y'all niggas let this happen? The chase is now on. He is the number one drug target of the United States government. And he got a $5 million reward on his head. So in order to put the pressure on him, the U.S. does this bullshit. In 2012, they froze American assets of all of his family members. So any American assets they had, they froze it. That's fucked up. His family members ain't even do shit. Little kids, they ain't do shit. That's fucked up. And so then, all the, the Mexican government started a huge aggressive assault on every cartel. And they was all trying to find El Chapo. But guess what? They couldn't find him. At that point, he could move around freely in the country. Everybody knew him. They respected him. He was giving money to the people, you know, in his town. He was kind of doing like Escobar was. He was given to, he almost became like a Robin Hood figure. People wanted to work for him. He employed people. And so with this loyalty, he was able to, to evade everybody. And guess what? He got married. He got married. And at the reception, it was police officers there. And it was local politicians that were there as well. He was putting the money in the hands 
Everybody. Rich, poor, didn't matter. But most of all, he was putting money in the hands of himself so he could do all of this shit. He could do all of it. And then you could see how his family benefits from it. His son, Ivan, he's on social media showing his cars and his wild animals and his lifestyle. It's the life. And it's all because a little country boy worked hard. Worked hard at a spirit, couldn't be broken. Worked hard. And, you know, unfortunately, he killed some people. You know, unfortunately, he, he did a lot of fucked up shit. Probably cheated on his wife, too. But, you know, is 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 honestly impressive. Honestly. That's just the great stone dragon's opinion. After years of trying to catch him, they finally got him again. In February 2014, he was apprehended in a hotel in Mazatlan, in Mexico. They wanted to extradite him. And the president, he said that Guzman would not escape Mexico. He said, look, we don't got to extradite him, America. We promise he's not going to get out. You know, we got you. Promise you. 18 months later, after the president said no, we don't want to extradite him. He escapes again in July of 2015. Now, what happened was there was an opening in the cell shower section. And they dug a tunnel to that opening. And they put in a 30 foot ladder so he can get down. And when he gets down at the end of the 30 foot ladder, there's a motorcycle there, right? And this motorcycle led to a house that was about a mile away that was still under construction. And on top of this, it was air conditioned. What the fuck? An air conditioned tunnel to escape with a motorcycle leading to it. Who the fuck designed that? Chapo was the king of tunnels. How do you think he got the drugs to America so fast? Fucking tunnels. Niggas was roaming the ground. They couldn't take a donkey over the fucking ridge no more. They couldn't drive a car across the border all the time. They couldn't do that. They had to figure out something smarter. Can't be detectable if you go on the ground. If they can't see you, wham, bam, boom. He put these tunnels underground and changed the history of the drug game forever. Nobody thought about that. Even if you watch uh, Narcos, this recent Narcos, with, um, with, with, the, with the Cartel de Guadalajara, when they, were, when they were with the Sinaloa Cartel, with Hector Luis Palma, he came in and said, what the fuck is this? And Chapo got up and he said, en mi túnel, señor. This was the innovation of Joaquin Guzman Loera. So he escapes again. And now, that shit done got to his head now. He said, fuck y'all. I done escaped again. Y'all niggas can't catch me now. Now, they were trying to catch him on October 17, 2015. But they couldn't get him. He was injured on his face and on his leg. 
when he escaped a failed military manhunt. So he's getting a little slow, but he's still the shit. Couldn't get him. Ha ha. Unbeknownst to the rest of the world. Don't nobody else know. He was like, I want to do a movie about my life. And I need people to play in this movie. And so who does he come with? He said, Sean Penn, I want you to do this interview. Sean Penn. How did how the fuck did Sean Penn get there? Via the actress Kate de Castillo. How the fuck did that happen? He was getting real comfortable. Guess who found out about it? Motherfucking DEA. They even got a picture of him. He is a picture of him like shaking hands with Sean Penn. Or like or or one, I think it's one with him with Kate Castillo. You know, some some wild shit. He was getting mad comfortable. And when these photos released, it was like, oh, we got you now. And when they found him, they found him on January 8th, 2016. There was a shootout earlier in the morning in the city of Los Mochis in Sinaloa. And there's the piece of delivery, man. Hell yeah. And when they got him, the president, Peña Nieto, Announced, mission accomplished. We have him. Chapo was returned to the same prison where he escaped. It was like, nigga, come back. And then they moved him to another prison near the U.S. border in Juarez. And when they did this, out of nowhere, Vicente Bermudez Zacarias was murdered near his home. And who was this? He was the judge presiding over Chapo's case. Cartel de Sinaloa did not play. Immediately they got him. Now in January 2017, after a year, the Mexican government extradited him to the United States. They put him in Brooklyn. And while he was in Brooklyn, guess what he did? Anything they asked him, not guilty. Not guilty. He did it a dozen and more times. The United States is like the audacity. What the fuck? Chapo, what? No. In May of 2018, his lawyer even, Eduardo Balarezo, he asked the judge, Judge Brian M. Cogan, look, can we move it from Brooklyn to Manhattan? It's connected to the high security facility. You know, like, can we do that, please? And the judge was like, no, nigga, the United States was not playing around. Public enemy number one, they had him. Now you got to understand, Chapo was not the only one in charge of Cartel de Sinaloa. Who else was in charge? Ismael El Mayo Zambada. Ismael El Mayo Zambada Garcia was holding things down back home. And within the cartel, Chapo had his faction. El Mayo Zambada had his faction. But they all worked equally. And Chapo was the head. The lawyer was like, look, it wasn't Chapo. The actual leader of all of this, you got the wrong nigga. The actual leader of all of this is Ismael El Mayo Zambada. And he said, look, 
He paid the, the whole government of fucking Mexico. Look the other way. And then they come out with more of the fucking tapes and the facts. Like at this point, they selling out the Mexican government. They're like, look, you trying to indict me on some drug charges? Look at the government over here. We paid them. We paid them. Is it us or is it them? They supposed to be uncorruptible, right? Right. And so they showed that the president, Peña Nieto, accepted a bribe from El Chapo. And then another witness said that the wife of El Chapo was involved in planning his escape. So they were like, look, it ain't just me. What we, what we finna do? So they do this for about a month. And after 200 hours of testimony, 56 witnesses, on February 12th, 2019, all of the 10 counts against El Chapo were guilty. And on top of this was conspiracy to launder narcotics, proceeds, and use of firearms and continuing a criminal enterprise. And on July 17, 2019, Judge Brian M. Cogan sentenced El Chapo to life in prison plus 30 years. And he had to pay $12.6 billion in restitution. Everything that he did, everything that everybody's life that he messed up, everybody, $12.6 billion he had to pay back. And life plus 30. Life minimum is 25 plus 30. That's 55 years in prison. And he might be 63. He might be older than 63. But that is where he is at. And that is the end of the road for Joaquin El Chapo Usman Loera. Still alive. Can he escape from America? We never know. Maybe he can. Maybe America's a little corrupt too. But hey, we ain't getting political. <laughs> now what about his other life? I'm sure it couldn't have been all bad. Right? So yeah, he got he got nine kids. Nine of them. Maybe 13 kids. We don't know. Nobody knows. And he said he might have married at least three times. And all of his children have kind of taken some part in the legacy of El Chapo. Some of them even help assist in continuing the organization of the Cartel de Sinaloa. Some of them. I don't know who. Some of them, though. El Chapo Guzman did some very evil things. Granted, El Chapo Guzman also did some very good things. El Chapo Guzman was a father. El Chapo Guzman was a husband. El Chapo Guzman was a murderer. El Chapo Guzman was a drug trafficker. El Chapo Guzman was a Christian. He did some unchristian-like things. But it is not my job to inform you about the negatives 
or the positives exclusively. It is my job to inform you about the history of who this person was and their contribution to the continuing history of time. His contribution, although some would say is very, is very negative, had a great effect on a period of time in history, had a great effect on how society looks at things. He affected culture. People were rapping about El Chapo. People were making TV shows about El Chapo. People were making corridos, or the music you, you, you hear on the breaks in this podcast about El Chapo. He was so influential to so many people. And he touched so many lives, positively and negatively, that we cannot ignore his position in history. So with that being said, Joaquin Archivaldo El Chapo Guzman Loera, thank you for your contribution to history. It was necessary, and I really hope that you're doing well in prison. I really hope you're doing well. I, ain't hope, I don't hope that you like rot in jail or nothing. I hope you're doing fine and that you have made your peace with whoever your creator is. Okay? Wonderful. Thank you for coming out to this episode. I hope you had a wonderful time learning about El Chapo. Now, enjoy the music. Hey, it's time to stop being like homophobic and transphobic and shit. Like we too grown for that shit now. Like people going to be what they going to be. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, whether you believe that like that's a sin and like I'm not talking to like people who already understand. I'm talking to people who like don't understand and are like really deeply rooted in the shit cuz I was you know what I'm saying? Transparency. I was, but you know like as I got older I realized, yo, people are people and they're going to do what they're going to do and you just got to mind your business. That's it. If you say, "Okay, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. If you believe that that ain't it, then okay. But look, don't be hating. What the Bible say? Love, right? You got to love your neighbor. Do that. Love your neighbor. You ain't got to, you ain't got to go and, and you know, be, be, you, you ain't got to, 
do sexual stuff with them. You ain't even got to be friends with them. Least you could do is just say hi. Wave in the street, just say hi. That's it. That's it. He ain't gonna do nothing to you. He ain't finna catch no gay bug. No trans bug. And you know, for all the niggas out there that like think that if they accidentally hooked up with a with a with a trans woman, like they would they would kill them. Like, look, bro, stop that shit. Like, really stop that shit. That shit is fucked up. If you didn't do shit and you found out she was trans, nigga, just leave. Take your loss and leave. I know that shit is hard. I know that shit is, but take that shit and leave, dog. You ain't got time for that shit. Leave. You know, if you want to say something, just be like, nah, I'm not into that. I'm sorry. Goodbye. That's it. That's it, man. Just leave. You ain't got to do no evil shit. Leave. And y'all got to stop hating the LGBTQ community. And y'all got to stop hating, you know, just people in general. Stop hating. People going to live their life. People going to do what they want to do. Whatever makes them happy. You do what makes you happy. Right? There's some niggas out here that go and they buy prostitutes. And they make them happy. Right? You may not agree with it, but guess what? He happy. He living his life, and, and, and his life will go the way it go. Just like your life going to go the way it go. And just like their life going to go the way it go. And that don't mean it's going to be bad. That don't mean it's going to be good. But stop hating. But want to let y'all know, we support the LGBTQ community here at the High History Podcast. Shout out to y'all. We don't hate you. We love you. Enjoy the music. Thank you for coming to the High History Podcast. And now, Street Poems with the Great Stone Dragon, a series of poems inspired by the streets, read in poetry style. And now, Tale of the Streets. The block sees death, but I see life. I see the pen used to write also be a knife. So in the night, I lance a lot the ops. Ducking from the cops, I'm in the butcher, shit getting chopped. It ain't beef, but beef, I'm bout it. I took a sword to a nigga neck for getting rowdy. I'm a showgun nigga. You got your gun nigga? I think not. Niggas ask me how to make a body rot. 
I said quick. And then I hopped up in the whip. I had to make a flip, a little chip and dip. Sauce on you niggas. I'm caliente. I fuck a bitch wearing some motherfucking kente. That's a cloth, nigga. You ain't that cloth, nigga. You a sloth, nigga. A scary soft, nigga. I write the pages of the script. What do you do? I bet you do some white folk do. And that was Tale of the Streets. Thank you for coming to the High History Podcast. Once again, I am your host, the Great Stone Dragon. And until next time, stay stone.